friends, I'm Fiona Lewis. And I'm Gwen Crabb. And welcome to the Say It How It Is podcast. Connected by Vodafone. We are on a mission to bring taboo topics to light and change the narrative. Being vulnerable can be tough, but we're here to show you that even those at the top of their game, be that sports, coaching, business or medicine, go through the same struggles, problems and issues as you. But just a quick disclaimer, we are not professionals, just two rugby players sharing our own experiences and stories, having open and honest conversations with some amazing guests. If you are affected by any of the topics discussed in the podcast, please do contact a professional. And now, let's get into today's episode. Okay, welcome back to episode two of Say How It Is podcast. Today we've got our first guest on the show, GB in England Sevens player, Elin Trailfinders, and online coach, Ellie Bortman. We're so thrilled to have Ellie with us today. Um, first of all, we'll start off, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me here, I'm very excited. No worries, how's the journey down? Actually, probably one of the best journeys I've had down to Wales. So, uh, I have had a few. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just want to kick off the episode, get to know a little bit about you um, as a person on and off the field. Um, so, yeah, basically, we'll start off your sort of rugby journey, just very briefly touch how long we've been playing, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I started playing when I was four years old. Um, so, born into a very rugby mad family. My um, parents had a very rugby-themed wedding. don't know if my mum agreed with that. but um, <laughs> Yeah, so I was kind of born into it. Played from four years old. Um, absolutely loved it. Didn't really, like, see so much then of girls not being encouraged to play rugby. Like, I was one of the only girls, but it wasn't really a problem back then. Um, and then kind of moved up to girls' rugby because you could only play with boys until 11, I think it was. don't know if it's the same in Wales, but it was. I think it was 11 back then. So moved up to girls rugby um, and then I think that was the first kind of time that I was conscious of girls playing rugby wasn't really the norm and other people having a bit of a problem with it and that wasn't just like people at school that was parents and stuff as well. Um, so throughout my teenage years kind of struggled with that a little bit and ended up actually quitting rugby at 16. Um, I just completely fell out of love with it and was getting quite a bit of stick at school you're like a 16 year old girl trying to like fit in and you don't want to be someone out of the ordinary and I think I just wasn't enjoying rugby wasn't enjoying how much of my social life it was taking up so I decided to quit rugby for a few years and um that was probably one of the hardest conversations I've ever had with my parents because um so many people around them were like oh she's so good at rugby like it's such a wasted talent and all this but I just wasn't happy and it wasn't making me happy at that point um, so yeah, stopped and then went off to university, was actually on the riding team at that point. <laughs> Come on, girl. <laughs> yeah. many talents. <laughs> Doing equestrian and then... Did you have a horse? Yeah, yeah, I had a horse. Oh, yeah, 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 I had a horse up until I went to uni actually. Wow. So yeah, I used to ride and do rugby as well. Like I didn't just do one sport when I was younger. I'm sure you guys are the same. Yeah. yeah. And I'm all for that as well. I don't think we should specialise until we're older at mm. all. Um, but anyway, went to uni and one of my friends called Steph, she won't um, mind me mentioning her, she was captain of the women's rugby team at the time and she kept trying to like convince me to play and I was like, no, I'm with the riding team, can't be asked. Um, <laughs> and she convinced me and we had like a local rivalry against Southampton Solent because I was at University of Southampton and I think we both scored a hat trick and it was so much fun. I hadn't felt that buzz in so many years. Um, so I started playing again for uni and then the local side down there called Trojans at the time were in the women's championship. So I was playing for uni in the week and then on the weekend for club and yeah, just absolutely loved it. And it kind of went from there and I ended up in the premiership and I guess now I'm playing professional rugby. So <laughs> and that's how we met to be fair. Yeah, that is how we met. And like I wasn't, well, we both weren't fully professional then either. No. Um, it's only really been over the last few years, but yeah, you met me when I was I don't think much... I was capped when I met you, to be fair. I don't mm, think... No. Do you remember no. you came to the game? Yeah, yeah. And we were both playing for, like, sevens for fun yeah, in the summer. Yeah, every weekend. Like, we, we absolutely love sevens. sevens. We'd be going to yeah. tournaments at the weekend, and it was just for, like, the love of the game yeah. kind of thing. And both... we, I think we did, like, 12 or 13 back-to-back tournaments. <laughs> it's actually mental. And I think about now, like, how... That. I know. I couldn't even do, like... I couldn't even imagine doing it now. And, but... like nine games in a day or something yeah, at those kind of seven you know, we, we would be playing like full 14 minutes 
<laughs> like sub, yeah. please. We never got subbed. We just go no. for fourteen oh, minutes. Gosh, That's I know. <laughs> no, those are like some of my favorite memories because. It wasn't your job then, but like you were playing. Yeah, it was so yeah, much fun. For the love of the game, and we got to travel a bit and just enjoy our tournaments and weekends. And it was a, it was not just like the rugby side of it; it was the social side and like meeting up and seeing each other all the time. So, yeah, those are kind of my favourite early memories, I guess, of them progressing into it being more serious. But it's crazy, crazy actually. <laughs> Thinking back to like that's where it kind of started for you, and then where you are now. Like, gosh, like you said, like we've gone to many places together playing seven socially and now like you're in a position where you're representing gb and like you could be going to olympics like that is epic yeah well and same for you as well like playing for wales and where you girls are out with your program as well now like it just shows how like far the game has come in the last few years it's mental and i don't think we probably ever imagined that we were going to be full-time professionals but we've always known of working on the side and then rugby kind of comes second and now we're in a position where rugby's first. It's just, it still blows my mind, to be honest. How have you found that transition? Like, I know you're an online coach and you've really started, you know, putting a lot of time into that. So how you, have you found the transition from like working and then being pro, but then also trying to, you know, build your own business on the side? Yeah, I won't lie. Like, it's tough because transitioning into that I was working full-time before and trying to train full-time so I'm glad I'm not doing that necessarily anymore like doing a nine-till-five job running off going straight to training because you're just never recovering properly so like now the fact that I get paid to recover and sleep more is the biggest thing but women's rugby still in a phase where it's not massive amounts of money and all of us will say that so realistically we all do something on the side um and I've just launched an online business in the last month. So that's been quite manic to train full time, launch that as well. Um, but I love it. I love being busy and I love having, having things on the side. And I think that's really important. I think just solely focusing on rugby, you can get so in your head mentally. And I think it shows in your performance as well. When you, you're just solely focused on that and thinking about that every single day, it's so important to have another outlet to work on. So yeah, that's what I found with my online coaching. I absolutely love it. Like I get to work with females and um, focus on them as well, not just myself. So going a little bit deeper into your online coaching mm-hmm. stuff, what what was the why behind wanting to get into that and wanting to help other females that you just mentioned um, on their fitness journey? Because of my own personal journey with, um, I'll obviously speak about that in more depth, but how I've kind of been through crash diets over the years, fitness has been very much a punishment rather than enjoyment before this. Um, I just want to be able to help other females not go through that same process and realize that they can live healthy, sustainable lifestyles and not have to be eating 1200 calories a day and not having to be running 10k a day. Like they can do fitness for enjoyment um, and be eating things they absolutely love, going out with friends, going out for dinner and still be able to be confident, happy in their body and be healthy. And that's ultimately what it's about for me. It's health and happiness, not just about how we look. Um, which has been such a mental shift for me as well, because I obviously want to live by example with them. And with my job with rugby now, like my job is to perform and to be an athlete. And it's not just about how I look anymore. So I bring that very much into my coaching as well. And I want them to live by that as well. Yeah, I love that. And I can resonate with that so much. Like the sort of the fitness industry when I was growing up was just constantly bombarded by lean skinny women with six packs and then for me as like a 13 14 year old girl like I was very impressionable and that's how I thought that I needed to to look and I thought that that's what health was and I guess it wasn't until I started playing rugby and I started understanding that performance was a lot more like it it was based a lot more on what your body could do not not what it looked like um so yeah I guess I'd, I'd love to know sort of where that sort of began for you in terms of your fitness journey, like you touched on about your journey, where where did that stem from, um, I guess, when you, were, when you were younger? Yeah, so when I was 16, obviously I mentioned earlier, I quit rugby. Um, so for the first time in my life, I wasn't exercising as much as normal. Um, and when you're a teenager, you discover other unhealthy foods. And I then went to sick form and discovered alcohol and Um, I had much more of a social life than I had been from when I was younger because sport was always what I was doing. And I gained quite a bit of weight in a short space of time because I was drinking and eating takeaways and had more freedom with my social life that I never necessarily had before. And it was the first time that I felt really uncomfortable in the way I looked. And 
the first time I was conscious about like calories and things for the first time because when you're younger and you're going to sport every day did you ever think of a calorie when you were like 11 no I, I just thought what was, was yeah. available in my cupboard <laughs> exactly like, you just ate what you were told yeah. yeah. put on the table yeah. isn't it you just get on with it but even yeah. when you're in uni you're just thinking well you're on a budget you're thinking well what's in the cupboards like what's all left over from last night pizza happy days I'll eat that before I go training <laughs> jack of potato yeah that's a clip. Sure. <laughs> And that is why I was fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the thing. Like, I was just eating what was available, right? At uni, and you were going out, oh my God, Freshers Week. I don't know if you guys had a crazy Freshers, but you're going out like 10 nights in a row. And I don't know how I survived them because I can't survive one night out now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> it takes me about a week to recover from a hangover now. I'm like, oh, so yeah, I was like conscious of it for the first time and I really didn't like how I looked. So I knew I wanted to make a change. And like you said, I think I feel like the generation we were brought up in, it was very much like magazines and like try this crash diet in six weeks and you'll look like this. And it's all about being skinny. None of it was about being strong or like healthy or anything like that. So I literally remember going to like boots and purchasing those. Have you ever seen like those slim fast powders oh, and yeah. things like and that? Oh, metal tins. Yeah, like meal replacement shakes and stuff. And I remember doing that and like just drinking stuff like that for a day or like I think I tried the skinny tea phase as well probably everything out there I've tried um <laughs> where you literally are just going to the toilet for a week mm. um yeah it works because it makes yeah. you shit yeah <laughs> well, yeah obviously it's crazy, you're the it? scale go down I know, literally. <laughs> you're not eating anything and everything is coming out yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly so on the scale and everything I was seeing quite a quick progression um, in terms of just dropping weight because I was barely eating anything and then I think that's the first time I like properly discovered the gym as well at uni but I was not in the weight section at that point it was very much like going on the cardio machines burn at least 600 calories or whatever in one go and that was that and obviously I was dropping weight because I was not eating enough going on cardio machines Um, so I dropped weight very quickly and then I did actually start moving to the weights area when I kind of started following other fitness people and I started like a Instagram fitness account back then, which I now don't have. <laughs> but I know when I discovered this fitness page. Yeah. <laughs> it became like my entire identity. And like people would joke and call me like Ellie Boatman Fitness at uni because that was kind of who I became. And like, I think it probably gave me a bit of a thrill and a buzz that that's what I was known for. So I, I'd like go in the weights area and do ridiculous sessions that if I look back on now, I was getting no like muscle from with like two kilo dumbbells and thinking I was getting some sort of progression but it was just very obsessive like I remember walking like an hour to the gym doing like an hour and a half session walking an hour home and like I'd sacrifice lectures to go and do that as well that was my sole focus and everything I focused on every day when I woke up and I remember getting scales weighing myself every day I had a mirror would check would like get a tape measure um all those things and like check it every day and write, have like a diary. I've tried to find that diary recently because I'd love to know what I wrote in it, but um, it was just very obsessive, no balance in it at all. And I did have a partner at the time who was like, I don't think this is healthy. And you just are in like complete denial when you're in, in that stage where it's like, no, I'm being healthy. I'm doing this. I'm really strict and disciplined because when you're growing up, you're told that's good. Like if you're going to be strict and disciplined and have a good diet and everything like that, like that should be celebrated and being thin should be celebrated. Um, so it just became very unhealthy. And I don't think I was even, to be honest, having periods back then either, which as a female should be a red flag straight away. But whenever someone was like complimented me on losing weight, it just fueled the fire. And that's no one's fault. But when someone is dropping weight like that, it's their sole focus of every day. Like if I didn't drop a pound on the scales, my day was like ruined. So yeah, that happened at university. And then I remember I moved up to North London for a year post my undergraduate degree. And I moved to a place where I didn't really know anyone, didn't have any friends, wasn't really happy with what I was doing at the time. And because the last few years had been so restrictive with calories, I then progressed into binge restrict cycle, which is quite common with people who have restricted their calories for so long because your body's just so hungry. And that is probably the, the time I met you. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's the first time I met you. But I did not speak to anyone about it because I was so ashamed. And like it was it got to the point where I'd go to the shop, like buy all my favorite foods because I was just so hungry. And 
I'd go and sit in my room, shut my door away from anyone and I'd honestly just eat. And it was like the weirdest feeling because it's like kind of like a euphoria where you're eating and the foods make you feel good. But afterwards you're so ashamed of yourself and you feel so disgusting. And that's when I started making myself sick and didn't tell anyone at the time at all. I look back at photos from then as well and I was so puffy and so inflamed because obviously I was filling my body with those kind of foods all the time. But I was also making myself sick. And if you're making yourself sick on a weekly basis, obviously not very good for your body at all. And I think just going from being this girl at uni who was known as like Ellie Boatman Fitness and a really fit, lean girl to then being someone who couldn't stop eating and was making themselves sick. It was like a bit of an identity crisis. Um so I just found that so tough mentally to like try and just reach out for help. And I never spoke to my family about it. It's not until I started speaking out online about it, did they realize? And I, it just feels awful that I couldn't speak to someone at that point. And even, like I was really close to you then, Fee. And I don't know why I didn't tell you or any of the girls at the time, probably just because of how embarrassed I was. And I didn't think anyone had similar emotions to that. Um, and it's not until now do I realize how many girls actually do suffer with their body image and nutrition and everything and kind of how I got over that. I remember following a few um, people at the time who work in the fitness industry and I saw a few nutritionists who worked in eating disorders and I reached out to one particular coach and worked with her for a few months and it was kind of the mental side behind it and identifying like triggers and why I felt the certain way about my body and what it stemmed from um and eventually got to a point where I did it. I stopped like tracking food and things, but I was then just view, viewing food as very much a fuel um, rather than the enemy and like what was making me feel bad about myself. Um, and it's just been a process, to be honest, over the last four years. Like I wouldn't say I'm 100% like sorted now. I don't think you ever are. I think you always have that side to your brain. But to get to a point now where it's my job to be a rugby player, I need to fuel myself. I don't think about restricting my calories ever is just yeah it's it's kind of like a freeing feeling is how I would explain it so that's how I'd explain my fitness journey and with food in a nutshell so it's been very much the restricting the binge binge restrict after that and then getting to a point now where I feel happy and healthy and I don't feel like I need to restrict a certain food group or anything. How did you find that transition then with now like switching your mindset to like now, obviously, it's your job. Like your job is based on performance and being fit and being strong. How did you, you find transitioning that mindset of like, okay, I need to be skinny, I need to look a certain way, and like you have that fear of food, really, don't you? You to then think, okay, I need to be eating to fuel and I need to be eating for a reason. Do you know what I mean? How did you find that transition yeah. to like really switch that mindset? Hard, and it still comes back in now. Like I was saying to Gwen earlier, I call it like my girl brain sometimes, where sometimes you like think, oh, I've eaten too much today, or like, or you see a certain rugby, you know, you see rugby photos from certain angles and you're like, oh my God, am I that big or something? And you're like, no, don't be ridiculous. Like it's just an action shot. And sometimes thoughts like that creep in where I'm like, do I need to go on a diet? And then I'm very soon to like snap out and think, no, you wouldn't have the energy to get through an 80 minute game if you weren't on those calories. And I think it helps because it is my job, maybe for someone who just an everyday person who's going to the gym to kind of look a certain way, it would be hard to make that transition. But I think because I'm so focused on being the best rugby player and the kind of best version of myself now with rugby, I'm so scared of underperforming that I don't want to not fuel myself. Um, so I think that is a, like a performance switch with that, but it's definitely not like I'm cured. It, it thoughts still creep back in all the time. Um, it's just how I kind of knock those feelings straight away. Do you think it helps to be like in a team environment surrounded by, uh, women that think that way about fueling for performance as well? Cause I guess it like, like you mentioned when you were younger, sort of your brain was saturated with the negative side of the fitness in industry but when you're in a team sport and you're surrounded by other people who are trying to do the same thing trying to perform as best as possible do you think that helps with that side 100%. of things so like it's so much easier when you're around people who have the same kind of goal as you and like we want to get the best out of each other so like 
the day before a game, for instance, we're all messaging each other being like, come on, carb loading day. Like you all need to eat your carbs today. It's not about restricting at all because we all want to get the best out of each other. So a hundred percent. And I think with women's rugby as well, we're all such different sizes and shapes and everything. Like even in sevens, mm-hmm. it's not like we all look the same at all. We're all, we're all different sizes. So you're not comparing yourself to someone else because you know, we all bring a different attribute to the game. So I think that makes it a more accepting environment as well in terms of body image for sure yeah I think like for me I'm not sure about you but like rugby has been a huge huge influence for me in terms of my own body image and my perceptions uh when it comes to fueling and that kind of thing I really struggled again when I was when I used to just go to the gym and it was very much for me that I was training to be leaner and to be skinnier and again like what you touched on earlier if people would compliment me about weight loss that made me feel good and I thought that then the goal was to just continue to do that, but it's an unhealthy way to, to view things. And it wasn't until I started playing a sport which celebrated weight gain in terms of that's going to help you in your performance. And I could see numbers increasing in the gym that it sort of flipped that mindset or started to flip that mindset for me. Yeah. And I think that what you show now is you're really open about that. Like you're really open with like being okay with like showing how your body is and like saying how you literally plan yourself around your performance and like I'm you know not scared to admit that I'm still not there yet like I still am quite conscious about how I look I'm conscious about what it is on the scales like and I I'm daily telling my brain like I do have a fear a fuel fear where like I'm like and it was quite difficult for me before where I'd overeat because I, I was so scared that I wasn't f- going to be fueled enough for a long day of training which is then I was noticing I was putting on weight because I was like worried I didn't trust enough that I had fueled correctly. And then like now I'm still in this, especially on the way on the back end of an injury, um, like I'm still in this phase where like I'm really body conscious and I'm worried what the scales say. But it's like a vicious cycle where like, like you eat your feelings because you feel crap and then it's like, oh, well, you're going to feel even crapper when the scales goes up. And it's that vicious cycle where like, especially when being fit before it's, definitely something that you've I had to keep thinking about all the time to be like like you say what you think grown a lot as a person is like you're doing it for a reason and a purpose um and like just because a scale says something doesn't mean that's right or wrong um but yeah, I definitely think I'm still in this period where like it's definitely a work on for me I think that's just women in general though I think like oh but it's such a like difficult thing and a sketchy thing to talk about where like how someone looks like how much they weigh but like yeah, I just think it is something that a lot of people can say that they've experienced negatively rather than positively. And on um, the scale weight thing as well, like because we are athletes and because we're so competitive and a lot of our lives are data driven, right? We have GPS markers and everything like something like scale weight can get so easily obsessive. Um, and that's something I found hard at times, like before sevens game when we were England sevens we'd weigh ourselves before and after games for a hydration thing but sometimes if you'd been carb loading the day before and you're a bit heavier like it can just mess with your head um so I think that's been hard in terms of taking the emotion out of a scale weight number and just seeing it as a number and a variable rather than your self-worth um and I think a lot of females struggle with that they'll like compare their weight to someone else whereas there's so many different variables with height and you know how we're built how much muscle we have like you feel you're gonna hold a lot more muscle than someone else and average female your height so of course you're gonna be a bit heavier than someone else your height because you're a contact athlete but it's so hard to take the emotion out of that with scale weight yeah 100 percent. and that again like it's especially during this process of like I say like being injured I weigh myself all the time because I'm conscious that I'm not haven't been active I'm conscious that yeah People buy me chocolate because they're like, hope you get better soon. <laughs> and like my scale weight has gone up and I'm very aware of that. But like it, you can get like, and it was going through a phase like two months ago where I was like really bogged down about it. I was like, oh my God, my numbers have gone up. Oh my God, I'm fat. I'm this, like none of my genes are fit in. Like I was like so stressed and getting worked up about it. But my, how I coped with that was just eating more. Mm. So and I was, and then I had to keep reminding myself like, oh my gosh, can you just be kind to yourself? Like, you've just gone through two surgeries. Like, you've gone from being ridiculously active, playing every week, to then doing literally nothing. Like, and if you're not watching what you eat, of course, you're gonna, but I'm wait. But I'm like, kept telling myself, it's okay with the phase I'm in. But like, I do think it's hard because you can just get lost in that. Like, if you, 
I suppose it comes from like a bit of awareness and I suppose like being in this industry for many years now you build that resilience around it and I think that if I was younger if my younger self went through what I'd been through now I think I'd be in a really darker place about it but now I'm just like well it is what it is <laughs> I'm bigger and it's fine I'm not gonna be big I guess forever <laughs> hopefully when I'm running it'll all come off <laughs> if it doesn't then god I'll be in the forward soon <laughs> but um <laughs> no but it's it, I think like it's really it's okay to like I'm, I'm trying to like I don't know normalize the fact that like talking about it and like I make comments and stuff and like Gwen I was like oh, you're not you're being stupid I'm like yeah but I'm just trying to be more self-aware yeah. and I'm trying to make myself more comfortable with like being open about like talking about my weight and being uncomfortable with my body like I've been always been body conscious like mm-hmm. when I look back at photos to literally like a year ago I was like tracking food because just turned pro I was a teacher and my department we ate some food so I came in being pro like being a bit bigger than what I should have been and being a bit unfit so I can remember I was tracking just to like have some accountability and like I was looking at a photo of myself still thinking what I was looking at wasn't good enough oh, I'm still not in good shape I look back now at those photos I'm thinking bloody hell oh I look alright there but like it's crazy because it's a huge I like didn't feel like that when I was looking at those photos like I looked at it and be like oh it's not good enough I'm still a bit too big for where I want to be and when I compare myself like a year later I'm like why wasn't I happy with that mm. I actually look great. Yeah, we touched <laughs> you know I mean? on like, that on episode one, didn't we? And we like spoke about that. There's been times where I've looked back at old pictures and I think I didn't like. I really wasn't happy with where I was at then. And I think that was actually a big jig, like jigsaw puzzle piece for me, realizing like, right, well, I'm actually probably never going to be 100 percent happy with where I'm where I'm at then. But there'll be a time when I look back and I think oh, I should have been a lot more grateful for that. And that applies to all sorts of aspects of life, right? But like that was probably one of the biggest things for me was mm. realizing that those goalposts are always going to move. Mm. So actually, just stop and live in the moment for a sec and just realize that it's not it's not the end of the world, you know. It's interesting because all three of us have felt like that because hundred percent felt exactly the same when I was at the height of my disordered eating and the lightest I've ever been in my life. I was the most self conscious about my body. Yeah, I was tiny. And I would still see, probably see a different reflection in the mirror. It's crazy, isn't it? Exactly. So then we should be telling other people that you could chase that goal for all you want. But if that's not the root of your happiness, then when you get there, you're still not going to be happy. Mm. So you need to find other things that are making you happy. Like it can't solely be, be about this one number on the scale and being a certain size and getting to that. Like there's so much more to it. Like how, how, what are you doing in the gym? Like, are you seeing more friends? Like there's so many more questions that you should be asking people about their happiness rather than just their weight. Um, and like now when you're injured, yes, the scale weight might've gone up a bit, but like how many other markers have you improved on in your rehab? Like you're doing this, you're doing other amazing things. Like there's so many other things to celebrate. heavy now, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So like your focus at the moment is in the gym, doing other things, working on other parts of your life as well. It's not just about your weight. Um, and sometimes you do need injuries and things to make you realize that at times and as savage as that is I'm sure <laughs> maybe not to the extent of this but <laughs> <laughs> she's like shut up <laughs> injuries have actually been a huge one for me in appreciating my body and what mm. it can do because like com- coming back from my ankle I was I just like watched my body heal this six inch scar and I was like like that looked like a cut two weeks ago and now it's healed and I was like my body is actually like crazy and then I started like viewing it even more like positively because of that and I was like right I need to try and look at my body in the sense of being grateful for what it can do and rather than just constantly being like I need to change that I need to change that just understanding and then even with my knee like mm-hmm. watching videos back from like week one week two post-op when I'm hobbling around the place to like squatting for the first time yesterday without a box like I've just got this newfound appreciation for because if I watch Fee do it I'm like Fee you're amazing and I want to it's a big focus for me to be able to do that for myself and I think as women we're really bad at that we're like big up our friends like beyond belief but then we don't speak to ourselves in the same way so you would never look at your friend and be like "You're, you're fat Oh you wouldn't do that, would I you? I you stole words from my mouth. Like, I am big on, like, celebrating your friends, celebrating people around you, like, telling them how amazing they are, like, supporting what they do. But then when that comes back, like, I can't. Someone gives you a compliment. I'm like, oh, no, I don't know how to take it. Or, like, in, or like 
like you say and then like if I do something in the gym you're like you're amazing I'm like oh well yeah like just accept it like we're so bad of that society but like you said we're, we're comfortable enough to give it to somebody else but definitely I'll work on as women is being able and being comfortable receiving it mm. like now I'm trying to be like if I feel like I'm good at something like Gwen be like oh you're really organised and I'd be like yeah, I know. <laughs> She's laughing, but it's kind of like it's a self like self acceptancing and like a self aware thing to like being more comfortable with that and having a bit more confidence in like in your own self worth and your own value. Like, I'm this whole injury has been such a complete like I don't know like a resculpt of myself mm-hmm. mentally to be like no knowing your self worth, knowing how like what your value is, and like standing by that and being confident with that, and then like it's definitely been a journey for me over these last few months to like yeah just have a bit more confidence in myself like I know what I'm capable of um and I think the you know the person that you can really rely on is yourself so mm. I think you know if you can't back yourself then who is going to back you um so yeah do you think that's because we're athletes though as well it's that like we're always criticizing our own performance and we're always analyzing ourselves on the pitch so we almost do that in our own life as well whereas like we're not very nice to ourselves yeah like coaches always say like you learn more from things you do wrong or like Mm. from failing so then we're constantly looking for the things that we can learn and the things that we can do better rather than actually taking the time to stop and celebrate the things that we've done well like going back to what you were discussing like do you ever look back uh how far you've come like do you look back at pictures or you know videos or things you posted and think oh my gosh like how did I get out of that place where you probably didn't see a way out at the time like how do you feel now considering what you've achieved considering you know where you were yeah I do it all the time I like making reels and things about it because I think it's important for people to not just see this period of my life now and see what happened before so that if someone's kind of feeling like that they then can see what I've been through and be like, there is, there is not an ending, but there is a light. Yeah. There's hope. Right. Cause not all of us have just become professional rugby player overnight. We've had our struggles along the way. And I think it's really important to highlight that, but yeah, definitely. Like I remember one time thinking like, I am never going to just be able to enjoy food. Like I'm never going to get better. Um, and I just felt really hopeless to be honest. And like mentally what that does to you just like everyday enjoyment of life. Like it honestly would affect my life every single day. And now I can wake up in the morning and just like look forward to what I'm eating and not, not think about it. Um, and I never ever thought I was going to get to that place. Um, and I think a lot of females do feel that about food. Like I've noticed it even with friends, if we go out for dinner or something, it's like they're so worried about what is on the menu or you can't just enjoy a meal or like you have to check the menu before you go out. And it's like, when can you actually just start living life rather than just thinking of calories all the time? But I think that has just been wired in us as female teenagers. Like we just, at one point we just started learning about calories and I can't put my finger on that, but it's been like over 10 years of just obsessively thinking about calories every single day I woke up. Whereas now, like I do think about them, but I can actually enjoy my food now. And it's just, yeah, it actually brings me happiness. So it's important to look back on those photos, but just, I guess, celebrate those wins daily of like little things. Like the other day I said on my story, I like brought out a jar of peanut butter and I was like, there was one point where I couldn't have peanut butter in my house because I would just spoon the whole jar and go in that like binging mentality and go into this weird euphoria. Whereas now I can have peanut butter on my oats in the morning and it doesn't get more obsessive than that and I can enjoy it. Um, so yeah I think what I wanted to touch on as well is, is um, obviously being close to you back then mm-hmm. um, I think we met at a time when you kind of transitioning in and out of like these phases where like I can remember like speaking to, to Lowry about it because we were obviously really close as a three back then and being like worried about like seeing the phase you were in but not knowing what the right thing to do was like mm-hmm. I think again especially because the position we're both in in our environments and stuff whereas now I would have kind of like completely different. I would definitely have that conversation with you in a different way. But I can remember being like, do I tell her I'm concerned? Like, you know, seeing posting, you posting certain photos, like, I'm like, this is my best friend. Like, I'm really worried. But how do I approach that with someone where it's such a difficult thing to discuss? Like, I don't want to text and be like, oh, I'm worried about this. And you, I don't know that she's knows it could potentially be an issue. Like, I found that quite hard back then seeing, yeah, how, seeing those things and then not knowing the right approach um and what like we've never really spoken about it in 
No, I don't think we ever have. No, I don't think we have. No, I don't think we've ever spoken about it. It's the first row. But that's that's the reason for this podcast, though. Like, we haven't spoken about it. We've been literally close for however many years. Yeah. And we've never spoken about it. I know. What, out of interest, like, what were the kind of red flags or, like, what did you think, okay, that's probably not very healthy? Like, just the types of photos you were posting and, like, how small you'd become and the things you're writing in your captions where, like, and that was getting progressively worse. And I think at the time as well, like being in a relationship that potentially wasn't going so well, that like flags like that. And I was really concerned to be like, okay, is that the reason why she's going down like this? Like we'd never spoken about your eating disorder in the past. So I didn't actually know that. I was just going off where I was seeing you post and then like obviously seeing you in person and like seeing that you're getting really small. And yeah, that that was the thing for me. And I was thinking about like, oh gosh, what like, and I, I can remember I did actually text you. I can remember I text you being like, is everything okay? I just wanted like to check in with you. Like, I just want, yeah, and you were like, yes, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. And I'm mm. thinking, oh God, where, where <laughs> do I take this? There? Yeah, because like yeah. we were so young back then. We were probably like, yeah. what, 20, 20, 21, 20? 21, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. we were young, like, and like I said, like, the, we're both different people now. We're like, if we were both red flagging, I'm sure we would both have the confidence <laughs> to be like... That's a new term, red, red flagging. flagging. <laughs> so, like, I would like, reach out to you instantly and have yeah. the conversation. But back then, because it was... Like, it still is now, but, I mean, back then, it was really something you'd be cautiously, like, oh, I look like such a shit friend, and I look like such a bitch if I text and be like, look, you look really small, I'm concerned about you, right, right? You'd be like, fucking hell, fuck off, Fionn. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but now, yeah. but now I think, like, yeah, I would definitely approach it differently. I would literally be like, oh, what the hell? But yeah. back then, I don't know, it was just, we were young and, yeah. like, it, 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 we hadn't spoken about it. It's, I suppose it's different now. You've spoken about it a lot. Mm. But, yeah, I can remember being really worried about you and not knowing what the right thing to do is. And I think that's the part of eating disorders and disordered eating as well is like it doesn't just affect that person it affects all the people around them as well so like when I've opened up before I've had mums and dads and things messaging me because it's so awful because you don't know what to say and you don't know how to help because no one's really told us how to react or help in those situations at all and like I said when I was trying to lose as much weight as possible if someone was like oh you're looking quite skinny you're like yes that's gonna fuel the fire and make it even better so then you don't know what to say and I honestly don't know at that point because I was so mentally in a hole if anything you said at that point would have helped or like yeah and also like I didn't know that if you knew yeah. that it was a, that yeah. you were going through that yeah. you, what it like I didn't know that oh does she, is she aware of this like for all I knew that you would you were fine and I asked you like are you I just want to check in and da, da, da. yeah I'm fine I'm like oh god I don't then be yeah. like look this is how you're again I would be act differently now I've mm. learned a lot from my experience and I feel like I've grown more that as a person I'd be like and I feel a bit guilty that when I think back to that being like why the fuck didn't you just say something <laughs> why the fuck didn't you just grab your lady bollocks and be like <laughs> look Al, I'm worried about that photo but I just pushed your foot around didn't want to be take you to take offense or whatever mm. like do you know what I mean and it's yeah. And, li- and then actually in reality you were really really struggling and yeah like but you had your own stuff going on in terms of like it's not your responsibility to heal me in that situation like I had an accountability side as well where I needed to acknowledge and figure it out myself and realize that there was a problem and like you said at that point I was probably so in denial that there was an issue at that point that I wouldn't have listened so it's savage but I think when people really start healing is when self-awareness kicks in and they realize that they do have a problem um and it's hard up until that point because you can just like I said you can just think you're being really disciplined really motivated for people like I probably wrote those captions and thought wow people are being really inspired whereas actually now I look back on them I'm like what are those I think like it's hard for that outside circle like it's hard for those people looking in because we just see what you're presenting and we see the person changing and then you probably being the person and like, oh, get off my back. Like, I'm fine. Like, why are you being weird for? Like, it's quite hard to know, like, how did you find support-wise if, like, you weren't speaking to people about it? How did you cope with being like, did you feel that you need to speak about it? Or, like, was the denial part you were like, there's nothing wrong, I'm, do you know what I mean? I don't need anyone to help me when I don't think there's actually something going on. I think at the point I was at that you're referring to, was probably one of the loneliest 
like phases of my life just because I was so stuck in it. It was kind of like a dirty secret of, I didn't want to tell people I was making myself sick or any of that because I was so embarrassed about it. And because you're so ashamed of that, you're, you kind of isolate yourself and make yourself feel really lonely. So like, I obviously probably did push people away, but that's because I was so embarrassed about what I was going through. (laughs) Push me away, everyone. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Faith. Yeah, because yeah, it is just a shame thing. Whereas actually, if we speak about it more and we kind of normalize that a lot of people have been through it, then hopefully more people are going to want to more like likely to reach out to people and ask for help or say to their friends, like, Maybe not to this extreme, but if I was just like passed a comment to you and was like, actually, I made myself sick the other week because I ate too much and you would have been like, that's not normal. Well, mm-hmm. then maybe I would have reached out for help earlier. It's just, yeah, taking the taboo out of it where actually a lot more of us have experienced issues with food than we realise. Did you feel like no one else was going through the same thing? 100%. Yeah. Definitely, because it wasn't really spoken even then. Like, well, we're 26 now. And I was 21 then. So even five years ago, I think fitness industry, it was just about being disciplined and motivated. No one spoke about disordered eating. Like that wasn't a thing. No one had a bad relationship with food. You were just like kind of disciplined and ate healthy. It was healthy, that whole but... like, um, like no rest days, oh better never God, stops. Yeah. Like those, those kinds of sayings like literally ran through my brain constantly. Like I would, I would get up in the morning, go to the gym before school do sports at lunch, sports after school, go to the gym again, run 5k. Like that was just my life. Mm. And it's the same thing with like under fueling. But, and I, I had like PE teachers on my case. My mum had rang the PE teachers being like, can you make sure she eats her lunch? Can you make sure? Cause they like, and, but I, again, I didn't, I didn't know any, I was doing anything wrong. Cause I thought that that was better never stops. Like the grind. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I think that says all that like we were best friends and we didn't feel comfortable having that conversation. And I think, like I said, it's changed, I feel, it's personally changed a lot since then, where, like, the society we live in now and what we want the world to be like, how, you know, you're very open when you're Instagram now about, like you said, like, you post reels about, like, your experience and how your mindset's transitioned. And, like, I think we live in a different world now where we want to change those narratives mm. and, and like, we want to speak about these issues and, mm. like, we want to normalise speaking about it. Um, but it says a lot that you can be that close back then and still feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I think the only way that I realised that I even knew that you were self-conscious about your body then is like when we take photos together and we take about 10 minutes <laughs> to take a photo because we're like, no, don't like that angle. Don't like, don't like this. Don't like my body in that way. So like it was obvious to me at that point that a lot of us were self-conscious about our bodies, particularly girls that carried a bit more muscle. Mm-hmm. And when we were trying to like be feminine and girly, then we would feel self-conscious in photos. But no, we never spoke about anything to that extent. Well, it says it all that there's only two people on the team, seven team, that would wear their sports bras in between games. I was not one of those girls. <laughs> I'd be there in my vest, in my baggy vest, being like, oh, thank you, sports bra pick? No, I'd keep my top on. And everyone would moan to be like, get your top off. No, I don't want to get my top off. I'm comfortable with my baggy vest, thank you. <laughs> and all you pretty girls are parading around in your sports bras and looking all nice. And I was like, no you're right and I think because I'd had like really shredded abs for so long she had shredded abs everyone she looks great (laughs) but it like they weren't even abs though I was just so I just didn't have any body fat so of course you're gonna be showing abs but like that became my identity so as soon as I became a bit inflamed and obviously I was gaining weight and things, it was like losing my identity, which is so ridiculous because why would you put yourself worth than just having some abs? Did you find uh, something triggered it? So would an experience, say uh, a negative relationship or something going on in daily life, would you find it, something triggered it or was it just something that you just found every day was a challenge or would, like would something make it worse? I definitely remember being at school and like some of the boys being like, you're quite hench or because the classic girl playing rugby. And then I definitely do think a lot of stuff stems from childhood. And I'm very, very fortunate with my upbringing, with my parents and everything. But how I think about certain things with like how we spoke about food when we were younger and particular people that I may have seen who were always dieting or like, did that have an effect? I think potentially yes so I think I mean planning way ahead in the future sorry to my boyfriend for saying this on the podcast <laughs> but when I eventually have a daughter 
I think I'm going to be so conscious about how I refer to food and myself at a young age, because I do think it has such an impact way more than we realize. Like even a five-year-old girl seeing you go on like a shake skinny diet, like she's going to think that's normal. Um, so yeah, our, our relationship and our words around food, I think around young girls and teenagers does have a massive effect. And like I said, I don't think being strong at school at that age was necessarily celebrated. I think it was something to be embarrassed about. So for me, I just wanted to be skinny and be normal. I think that society now is you've got like these celebrities, you know, trying to promote these crazy things. And people look up to these people to be like, oh, well, I want to be like you. So I'm going to buy into that crazy diet. Well, these people aren't probably on them. They're just doing it from like a marketing sound perspective to make money. Yeah. Like, and then you've got people genuinely doing it and then ending up in, you know, quite difficult situations. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, I don't know what you guys' opinion is. I think social media is now becoming potentially more of a positive platform because people are openly trying, like you guys are trying to openly speak about it. But I think it's become, did be was such an issue because I think yeah. it be, you'd look at people you'd compare to people like Instagram only shows you one dimension do you know what I mean like I think that d- never helped yeah. like how you felt about yourself yeah and it's scary in terms of like editing and things as well um like I actually did a webinar on body image um a few months ago and I did just do a section on like how easy it is to edit your body and like most of the images that we see out from out, out there on Instagram from like big um, Instagram influencers like the Kardashians and everything like 99% of those images have been edited and their bodies and like you can even edit yourself in a video where you're walking now without it being obvious and it's te- like it's so scary so I think that education does need to be in schools and for young girls to see that actually a lot of what you're consuming and seeing in on Instagram and everything is not real and that's not real life and that's not how bodies look um, so it's it's definitely progressed, but it still is scary. And I think as well, it kind of also has gone the other way where like there's still a part of the fitness industry as well now where if you say you're dieting, it's like um, people go at you as well. Yeah. And we have, it has gone the other way with models and things. Um, I know that's a bit of a sensitive topic, but um, yeah, I think now a lot of coaches are worried about saying that they've got some clients like on a diet because people are like, no, you shouldn't be dieting. Mm-hmm. But I think we should be doing everything about health and about enjoyment, about happiness. Um, And that's where I stand from. It's just, it feels like it always has to be one extreme or the other Mm. with a fitness industry, which is what frustrates me. It's annoying because it is literally just about balance. Yeah. And it's a a word that's probably overused a lot on social media about finding a balance. But like, it, it really is. Like, like you said, it doesn't need to be one extreme or the other. It can just be like a happy medium where you enjoy yourself, but you also make sure that you're fueling yourself properly. You you train for enjoyment and for performance. Like it's just that nice, happy ground. And I think you touched, you touched on it um, just then, like the word education. I think the big difference between where I am now in my mindset and where I was when I was younger is education. And there was, there was nothing there to educate me on what a calorie was and why I needed it, what a carb was, what protein was. Protein, I didn't even know that was a thing. And now literally my life revolves around it. Like, I you didn't... You are a protein it, powder now. Yeah, it, literally, yeah. <laughs> I'm a walking protein bar. They're but crazy. it's like, it's just, it it like blows my mind because I was just like calories, calories, calories. But actually it's like, right, well, what are, what are in the calories? Like, am I eating enough to fuel? Like, I had, I used to have this number, like 1,200. That was my, like... Why is that Why is it? I, but it's because... 1200 calorie meal plan this that and the other I plastered eat that in a Nando's guys I know, I know. <laughs> that is literally my I Nando's <laughs> like it's plastered it's over yeah it's plastered over social media and stuff and then like there there was a long time where that I was eating like three meals of 400 calories a day and now like weighing things out to the gram taking things like into school making sure like I had just that amount like but even when I was then going up through the ranks within rugby that was still always in the back of my mind. And like, mm. it hasn't been until the last couple of years, which is, it's like, it's crazy because I, like the time where I was so conscious about all of that was again, my lightest, my leanest. That was when I was the most obsessive, but as I've gained weight and like, it, it blows my mind, the weight gain that I have gone through because at my lightest, I was around 55 kilos when I started playing rugby and now I'm 90 yeah. kilos. So the, the difference 
in weight is just, and how I look is literally like worlds apart. Like you can't even compare, but my mindset now, and and I always struggle to put my finger on what it was that as a, but I genuinely think it's just time. It's time and education. And I've been lucky enough to go through a degree, to go through personal training all of that kind of stuff that has slowly allowed me to drip feed the why behind fueling and nutrition, the why behind training for performance. But unfortunately, there's so many people that don't have access to that that thing. And I think that's why it's so important that like people like yourself are putting that information out there on the internet for people to be to be readily available. But I literally was just about to say that about why I think it's really powerful with how open you're being now. Because if you think about that young girl that you were there wasn't someone like you that you could see. All you were seeing is what you should be like rather than like, okay, who did you have that you were looking up to to be like, okay, I'm going through the same thing that you are. How did you cope? How did you get through? Is there hope for me? Like, I think it's so powerful if someone's going through something to be being open and being honest about it because like you need to think about that young girl that you were, you need to be what that girl needed. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's so, so powerful and I really respect now how you've, you know, it's difficult, I can imagine, for you being open right now because it was something you protected for so long. Mm. I think, I really think you need to give yourself credit for how powerful that is now. Where, like, think of those people, not just girls, but boys too, that are going through that and they can look at you and be like, well, she's gone through that and look at what she's achieving. Like, there's hope. Yeah, I think, I think when you said it earlier, but you have it in your head, but, like, even if you can help one person, that's one more person than you've helped before. And that's just by sharing your story. And really, it's not that hard to do now I think about it. But I think my biggest worry was probably speaking about it openly and then people like Yuffie, who I was friends with at the time, like, not being angry, but just a reaction of, like, well, why didn't you talk about it at the time? Um, but luckily, it's like, it has all been positive in terms of people being, like, really sorry that... I wasn't able to say something I didn't know how to. And actually, because I'm talking about it now, hopefully people will be able to understand how to help their friends or see the red flags as we're referring it to <laughs> if it's happening with their friend and actually what support potentially they can go and get for that. But I think back then, as as the friend, I was a bit like, oh, well, Jesus. I was a bit like, I was a bit, it was a bit of a weird emotion because I was like, I want to help you. Why don't you let me in? Or like, like, why don't you speak about it? Whatever. And then now, like seeing this whole transition of you and then seeing the person you've become now, like when you spoke up, I was like, oh my God. So, oh my God. Oh. I said I'd cry. I was thinking she hasn't cried yet. Nope. No, but like, it's, oh God, no. No, you can do it. You can. <laughs> Crying is a good thing. I'm learning this, guys. Yeah, way. I know, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> but I think seeing, like, seeing what you were like and seeing and seeing you then to see where you are. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and to see what you are now. I just hope you realise how, like, amazing that is. So that, because <laughs> um, the growth I've seen in you is insane, and like, like I said, I know what you said just now, but it is so powerful that you're now in a place where you're comfortable with speaking about something that you found so hard, mm. and seeing that mindset now, and even I wake up and I see your post, and I'm like, Jesus, this wasn't what you would have done five years ago. Like you posting about how comfortable you are with how you look and all the calories you're eating in a day, like you'd never be comfortable sharing that and I think how successful you've become with knowing that you can make that positive change I think is really powerful and again emotional because (laughs) I've seen you I was there when you were in that difficult place and I'm just so proud of the person you've become now I'm not gonna cry again (laughs) I did say I'd probably cry (laughs) during this but no I I and I want you to know that as well yeah thank you I appreciate that and like because I am so much happier and healthier and everything that's also made me a better friend where in terms of I was probably so snappy and in denial during that phase because all of that was going on. You kind of push people away because you think they're going to threaten you getting smaller or you, yeah, you don't want your, you don't want your friends to intervene because you're so like, I need to get smaller. I don't want them saying there's anything wrong. There's nothing wrong. And you're in denial. And I was probably a really bad friend at that point. So I'm sorry if I was a bad friend at that point. Um, but yeah, it's just at a place now where I can go out for food with 
you and friends and not have to think about it and enjoy those memories and I think that's part of getting over an eating disorder as well is realizing that food is happiness it's not the enemy and it can be a part of your memories in a happy and healthy way um and as much as I say food is my fuel in terms of my training food is enjoyment too and it should be enjoyment you should enjoy what you're what you're making it shouldn't just be bodybuilding fish and rice cake diets fish <laughs> and rice cake. cake. um I got a question yeah What's your favourite food on that note? Oh, love sushi. Sushi is up there. Um, Fussy love eater, cookies. Yes, yeah. I don't like sushi, everyone. She has ketchup on everything as well. She's not lying. Yeah. True. Yeah. I don't like a lot of things. Love sushi. <laughs> but I can go out for a big meal at the weekend or something and I'm not like preparing my calories that week to go and do it. Mm. It's wild to me now. It's freeing. It's so freeing. Yeah, big time. I found hard was I would be really strict throughout the week and then I'd just binge on the weekend. So then it would ruin my whole week because I would be like in a deficit mm. and then I'd come to the weekend and I'd be like, oops, the weekend, it's free and right. I'm gone and I've eaten the whole world. A big learning for me was the, like the reasoning behind that sort of weekend because I was very similar. Restrict, restrict, restrict. And then on the weekend, it's as if calories didn't count on the weekend. But mm. there was a reason behind that and that was that you underfuel for five days. So yeah. your body wants calories, your body wants food. So of course, as soon as you give it an, an inch, it takes a mile and it's like wow i need it all because and then, then you get to monday and you think all oh, right okay here we go again because i've got to try again and it's it's a horrible cycle to get stuck yeah. in it really is i think that's the majority of the population but mm. what is the difference between going out for dinner on a saturday and a monday exactly like yeah. it's just a it's day it's just that fresh set of seven yeah. mentality isn't it yeah and yeah. it's because people will try and go on a diet and think monday to friday i'm gonna be really restrictive like i'm sure we've all been through and then you're right you get to the weekend and you're hungry and you're gonna go and binge whereas actually if you'd made more calories during the week seven days a week and didn't restrict yourself from certain food groups you wouldn't feel that need to binge mm -hmm. very yeah. true yeah. very very true if you want that dairy milk just factor into your day yeah balance yeah. balance everyone <laughs> um okay so moving on to our final question do you want to ask the question do you remember the question i do well, yeah okay, good um so we've got a tradition we've started well gwen i won't take credit it's gwen's idea um <laughs> where we We'll we leave a question and the guest um, answers it, and then you will write a question to the next guest. Okay. And they'll answer it on the next episode. Um, so our question to you is: What three pieces of advice would you give your younger self? Oh, that's deep, isn't it? it? it is deep. <laughs> Especially with everything we've mm, just spoken about. Exactly. Oh. Take your time. Yeah. yeah wow, guys. <laughs> mm. that is a deep we'll question. just sing in the meantime. <laughs> 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 Elevator music. Okay, first one. Stop striving for perfection. Oh, love it. Because <laughs> perfection doesn't exist. And actually, for a quote the other you day, you should see Gwen's face right now because she says this all the time. I said, I said on podcast last, last week, perfectionism is a myth. Sorry, we don't need to do it. No, no, that's okay. Perfectionism I'm, is a myth. Me and Gwen seem to be on a very similar wavelength there. <laughs> Charming, not me. <laughs> and you think. You just cried your eyes out. I did, yeah. I care about You're you. I care about you. Um, yeah, I saw a quote the other day and it was like, um, you giving 100% on the days you feel like your 30% is still giving 100%. So like, you can't always be perfect, but if you continue to try and give your best and still try and turn up, that's still so much better than it was before. And that's not in an extreme way, but I just wish that when I was younger, I didn't try and be perfect all the time and try and please other people. Um, sorry, that was one, but that was a long one. <laughs> no, that was good. Good luck writing in that book. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, food is for enjoyment, not just for calories and fuel and viewing it as just calories. Like food is a part of being social and enjoyment. So enjoy food for that and eat your favorite foods. Um, sushi <laughs> not sushi puppy dairy milk <laughs> ten of them <laughs> and then exercise and movement is also what you should love and is also for enjoyment it's not a punishment don't find a form of exercise to punish yourself do what genuinely makes you happy so like post-retirement I'm not going to go out and force myself to do I don't know, go swimming or something, because I hate swimming. Mm. I'm going to do something that You're going to ride horses. Me... <laughs> hey, when I'm 60 and riding horses, I'll be inviting you along. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I just like find something that genuinely you wake up in the morning. You're like, I'm looking forward to doing that. And in turn, that's going to make you more healthy because you're more likely to stick to it. Don't view it as a whole punishment thing. So that would be my three things. Love that. I love that. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being our first guest <laughs> no on our podcast. Really, really proud of you. I'm actually going to give you a hug. Aww. Watch the leads. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. I made you cry. No, are good. They are good, and yeah. I feel like I'm going to be crying on every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you for sharing a really, really inspiring story and trying to help people um, with your experience. I guarantee so many people are going to benefit from hearing uh, things you've been through, and I'm just really grateful that you've been able to speak about it on our podcast and likewise super grateful because you two are doing amazing things in terms of speaking about taboo subjects like this so i'm so excited to hear more and i'm proud of you both as well thank you thanks uh last thing anyone um if anyone wants to look at your social media check out your coaching where do they need to go we'll leave it in the show notes but him with it yeah so mostly post on my instagram as i said so at ellie boatman underscore and all my coaching and everything is on there um and then i do quite a lot on tiktok as well just ellie boatman on tiktok so those are kind of two main platforms i'd say that i share things on but um i also want to say as well if anyone does feel like they want to talk about something and dm me like i'm happy to speak to anyone so please reach out amazing thank you very much amazing it's been lovely to catch up. Thank you so much. Ta-da. <laughs> remember, keep saying it how it is. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Please like, follow and subscribe to make sure you stay up to date at Say It How It Is. And don't forget to share these conversations with the people you think it may help the most. You'll find all of ours and our guest social media handles linked in the show notes below. We can't wait to see you all next week. And remember, keep saying it how it is. 